All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Got your Money Wise guys back inside the Money Wise studio with me for this weekend show. I have my brother Jeff, Joe Rust, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. With our 34th year of business and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout Central and South Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. Well, as we kick off every weekend's Money Wise program, I turn it over to my brother, Jeff, to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week. So, Jeff, take it away. Okay, in the week just passed, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down about 261 points, or eight-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 last week was down about 58 points, or 1.3%. And the NASDAQ last week was down about 270 points, or 1.9%. Now, for the year-to-date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up 4.3%. The S&P 500 year-to-date is up 16.1%. And the NASDAQ year-to-date is up 31.5%. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So, holiday-shortened week this past week on Wall Street. Um, Definitely got the market below the S&P 500, below the 50-day moving average this past week. It tried to make its way back on Friday, but just didn't get back to that 50-day moving average. And as we talked on last weekend's show, you know, August historically is a fairly weak month for Wall Street, and September is known as the weakest month for Wall Street historically. So, so far, it's living up to expectations. That's right. That's right. It's living up to expectations. Um, and, and, you know, and I wanted to bring kind of just kick the show right off from a interview uh, that I that I listened to on Friday morning. Now, Art Cashin has been uh, just a stalwart of the NYSE. He's the head of floor trading for UBS. He's been in the market, what, Jeff, over 50 years, over 55 50 years. years. This is somebody that when he speaks, you definitely want to listen to him because he has experience like no other when it comes to Wall Street. And I think we've, we've touched on this in past shows, but he just reiterated it, how clearly tied in the algorithms of Wall Street are tied in to the bond market. And he was talking on Friday that if the 10-year Treasury starts approaching that 4.25% range, that we start to see the market start to sell down. And if it gets above that, then it just accelerates the selling across the board, particularly in the S&P 500. Um, 
And so we saw yields go above, you know, 4.25 on Friday. Started to come down a little bit, um, but for the week overall, it was a negative week. And so we've seen higher yields, and the market is responding to that. And what you also saw in the last week is two of the Magnificent Seven, Apple and NVIDIA, are down about 6% apiece. So, well, that's true. And this past week, this whole thing about Apple and, and really the, the 6% sell down from between Wednesday and Thursday on Apple was tied to the Chinese government stating that they were going to restrict their employees from using Apple iPhones in the office during business hours. Now, they can still have it for personal use, but they're not allowed to bring them into the office. And I guess any negative news gives the sellers or the bearish people on Apple the the opportunity to sell. But when you really get down to the brass tacks of it, even if this does pass and the Chinese government says, hey, no Apple phones in government offices, Apple has such a tied-in relationship with China China has to tread very, very lightly because of the business partnerships that they do have with Apple. So I think in the end, it's going to be all to do about nothing. Obviously, gives someone a buying opportunity if they wanted to add more shares to Apple in their portfolio. I know we currently own Apple for disclosure reasons, and I know we have some more allocation we want to we want to make to it, but not at this point in time, particularly in the month of September maybe as we get towards the latter part of the month. But we've got a lot of data that we have to sift through that's really going to be starting this coming week. Well, I mean, the, the we'll call it the super bearish position on <laughs> Apple one, would speculate that this this ban on usage of Apple phones, either at the national or local government level, uh, is the potential precursor to an outright ban on the sale of the phones in China uh, as a way of pushing the you know, the local company, you know, local Chinese makers of, of smartphones. And I know there's been a lot of things said, We, especially last year, maybe the year before, on that Chinese company called Huawei. Mm-hmm. And That's what I was thinking. There, was, was, like there was talk this week. Uh, you know, Huawei's been promoting their new uh, smartphone that looks, not surprisingly enough, like all the smartphones <laughs> we use here in the U.S. And a little reverse engineering. It, well, there, there's some, there, there's some, que- there's some head scratching going on about how some of the technology that's in that phone was able to be achieved, since we've had here mm. in the U.S. There's, there's been some restrictions on. Techno- on certain pieces of technology that would go into these phones that the Chinese are not really supposed to, I, I guess, have access to. I, I don't, I can't tell you the particular technical uh, aspects of this, but the inference I was getting was, is what's happening a a somehow precursor to a more restrictive stance in China on Apple's products, so that the locally produced products by Chinese controlled companies can, uh, can can be more can gain more market share in China because I think I looked up that that app that Chinese sales uh, you know, sales of Apple products in China were almost twenty percent of Apple's revenue is and I that's nineteen it's yeah it's nineteen percent I rounded up to yeah, twenty yeah close. So it's Real it's close. it's not small potatoes. I, I imagine it, it China, China may be maybe the number two country in the in the in the world 
uh, in terms of, of market share for what, you know, what revenue share for, for where Apple generates, uh, you know, revenues and, and ultimately profits. Well, so, but if, it, that, if that actually comes to pass, and I'm not saying it is, ladies and gentlemen, but there may be some that sold this week that thought that might happen. And if more of this talk continues, don't be surprised if Apple loses some more steam in the weeks ahead. Well, but China's got to be very, very careful with the, all the employees that work for Apple putting the phones together there in China. And I know that the new frontier for Apple is India. So with that, let's take our first commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Money Wise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments, and don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning into this weekend's Money Wise program, continuing to recap the happenings of Wall Street from this past week, I got into a conversation about um, about Apple and some of its, uh, I don't say a little bit of trauma that occurred to it this past week, uh, particularly with the Chinese government uh, wanting to ban the use of the iPhone inside of local uh, and federal, I guess, their federal uh, government buildings, but the individual employee can still use it at home. But see, you know, that's just the hardware portion of it, Jeff, because we were having a conversation during the commercial break. You know, let's not forget just the universe that is of Apple, you know, Apple Music, the television, all the other services that they provide that's generating revenue. Okay. And so, you know, Yes, I understand that with 19% of revenue coming from China, I don't think what the road that China is wanting to go down is just a, a, a an outright ban. You cannot have Apple iPhones in China anymore. Okay, so I know we've been talking about this since the beginning of the show, but and I and I unfortunately have not read the article. I'd heard I just picked up some information from what was being talked about on CNBC on Friday morning. Has anyone said why? Why the Chinese government's doing this? I want to say it has something to potentially do with the ability of the phone to listen. And, you know, even when it's off, it could actually pick up things. Cameras can be, you know, can be hacked into. They're afraid from a national security standpoint, I think, is really where all this is coming from, why it's not allowed in the office. It's kind of like TikTok in the U.S., now we got Apple. Exactly, China. it can track, it can listen, <laughs> it, it can do a bunch. It can do a bunch of other things. But as we we're going to the commercial break, I mean, the big new frontier for Apple is going to be India. Now it's going to take years for them to ramp up. But I know Tim Cook has already been out there. They're talking about moving some production out there. Joe looked up a statistic that there's three hundred thousand employees at Foxconn that are dedicated to putting together the iPhone. So we're just going to have to wait and see. But as we were saying in the first segment, any any analyst, any money manager who's bearish on Apple, this is just an opportunity, a headline to just dogpile onto it, to either sell it, short it, 
or just talk negatively about it. But this is why a diversified portfolio is so key. Yeah, and Let I me ask gonna... you a question. I'm Hold sorry, on. Joe. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. I, let the dog eat. The big dog eat. No. <laughs> we talked about this last week. If you were listening last week to our show, which you should have been, by the way, we talked about this and, and how we construct a portfolio and we're equally weighted. We will have no more than 1% of anyone's stock. But if, you know, if you have Apple or NVIDIA, which is down 6%, we own NVIDIA for, for 6% this week. Yeah, just this, this just week. This week. Make sure you're doing a check. Make sure you know what you own, so to speak. Um, I know I like saying that, but we have it has to be iterated. At it. But if it's going to hit Apple, think about how many mutual funds are out there. And I'm not trying to exchange traded funds where it's but possibly a top position. Apple, yeah. okay, and overlapping. How many funds you may think you're diversified? You may have two or three different funds, or five different funds if you own mutual funds, and you may have two of them where Apple is. is one of their top three or five holdings. So you need to do your homework and know what you own. That's all I'm saying. So No, and that's true. And that's probably uh, obviously a contributing factor to the S&P 500 being down 1.3% this past week. Um, obviously, it was a holiday-shortened week. We still had people kind of dragging in from the Labor Day holiday weekend, got to get the sand out of their their ears kind of let the alcohol get filtered out through their blood from all the fun they were having on Labor Day. And so, you know, you still continue to see kind of this lighter volume. But really, next week is going to be the big week because we're going to have consumer price index on Wednesday, producer price index on Thursday. And we're starting to, and we've talked about this on past shows, we're starting to see some acceleration and some deterioration of different parts of the economy. You know, we've seen some deterioration on the product buying side. You know, the service sector side has definitely been holding up and kind of keeping inflation higher for longer, but it's now starting to finally come down, uh, and we're seeing a little less buying. We're seeing higher delinquency rates in credit cards, particularly for the middle, lower income, and lower income, you know, households. How about and so a lot of rates? Lower savings rates, so the COVID money is getting spent. And, and of course, the one saving grace right now in all of this is the employment picture because we had the unemployment, not the unemployment, but the jobless claims this past week was 216,000, which was below expectations. And so any conversations I've been having with the clients, and we've been saying this on the Money Wise program, I think we're all three in agreement. A recession is coming, and we're not saying that it's going to be coming this year. I would say the higher probabilities are going to be, you know, by the summertime, potentially of next year into the summer. But I, I've been saying this from the beginning. I think it'll be mild. It would be a mild recession. And I think the strong employment picture will help create a kind of a level backstop for the overall market. doesn't mean the market's not going to react negative, negatively to a, uh, a recession, but I think the employment picture being as strong as it is will help keep the recession very mild. So, Got nothing to say. That's it. Just silence. No, I, just I, dead air. I just keep looking at your shirt, Kyle. I can't help it. <laughs> Don't say I, it. Don't say I, it. I, I'm a... yeah, the one thing about the employment picture, um, we've had like, I think, five months in a row they've gone back and lowered 
the the, the number of, of uh, jobs added every time we'd get an employment number. The focus is typically on the number that comes out on that day. There isn't a lot of focus on all the revisions, but we've had we've had negative revisions to these job numbers now. I think going back five months, the job picture is definitely showing cracks, and I, I think the the discussion from the from an interest rate point of view now is not so much about whether the Federal Reserve is going to raise at the next meeting or they're going to take a pause and raise in October. I, I think the, the, the real talk now, the real debate, is not around how many more times they're going to raise, but how long they're going to keep interest rates at this level. That's what all the talk about is now because the, 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 the company line – that's been towed, and we had, and I didn't mention this on last week's show, but we had a lot of Fed speak in the week just passed, yeah. a lot. <laughs> and the the consensus is is that most think that we're that most of the Fed governors are saying we're near what, what would be uh, I get, we'll call it the peak in federal funds rate itself. None of them want to take completely off the table that they may or may not raise again. But all of the consensus amongst the ones that have been speaking are that we're very near the top. So the market is not going to fall out of bed if they do raise another quarter point in two weeks or they skip in two weeks and raise in October. It's not going to fall out of bed over that. What what it's going to be challenged with is trying to figure out how long we're going to be at this level. Are we going to be at 5-plus percent for a year? Are we going to be five plus percent for a year and a half? And that's all going to be predicated on all these numbers that we're talking about, employment being one of them. But here's another thing about next week we've got CPI and PPI. And what's the one thing that's been happening that hasn't been getting a lot of press here of late? What's happened with oil prices? I think we had oil prices over ninety dollars a barrel mm-hmm. here yep. on Friday. It's I'm been, not sure not sure up. where we where we closed. And I heard some some of the analysts saying we're gonna we're we're gonna ride on the cusp of triple digit oil prices again. And gasoline prices right now, I think, are at seasonal ten year highs. Well, I mean, they're they're definitely uh, coming back up. Yeah, I mean, it's not as high as it was. In, that's gonna last figure year. into that. That's gonna figure into that CPI number that comes out on Wednesday. And so then the debate's gonna be: All right, is this a a trend? back up or is this a one-off anomaly because there's more supply coming in, in in response to the fact that Saudi Arabia and Russia have been have been uh, keeping up with this voluntary supply cut yes Kyle well I was, I was gonna say as far as Russia and Saudi Arabia they're gonna stick to this what million barrels a day cut I believe through the end of the year is what they said yeah uh, through, through the so end of the year they're gonna stick to and of course we have an administration that's got their head in the sand and making us energy not independent like we had under President Trump. And so they're only going to exacerbate the problem. And they can't just turn right around and turn on the spigot. They can't just go and bring a rig out to a piece of land and all of a sudden start pulling oil out the next day. I mean, I heard that some leases up in Anwar has been completely wiped off. So, I mean, you've got this section of Alaska that has, I heard that there's enough energy production for 77 years just for the United States up in that region, and they just canceled leases. So until we have an administration that isn't just completely drunk on this green energy fruit punch, 
we're going to continue to see this problem, and that portion of inflation is going to continue to stay high. And I think, again, this is the reason why the Fed focuses on core when you strip out volatile food and fuel, because fuel is going to continue to be volatile until we get a better administration in the White House that knows that we need to be energy independent again. Well, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. You Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at one 800 275 2162 if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So if you're just tuning in, uh, you know, we were talking about the, the energy industry. You know, we've seen oil really start coming, whether it's, you know, West Texas Intermediate, Brent Crude. It's all been coming up the last few weeks, you know, Russia and Saudi Arabia continuing to stick with their oil production cuts. And when we've got our country moving further and further away from hydrocarbons because of the boneheaded decisions of the current administration and the White House, we're going to continue to see higher gasoline costs, just higher energy costs across the board. Uh, And I know, Jeff, you and I, we were discussing you know, what is that going to do? Because what, what the Biden administration doesn't seem to understand is that energy is in everything. You know, whether you're building a widget, making a T-shirt, making semiconductors, everything requires energy, and that energy has to come from somewhere. And there's only so much wind and solar can do. The sun doesn't always shine, and the wind doesn't always blow. And we're the cleanest producer of energy globally. But let's make the, let's make the wise decision to get oil from Venezuela or, or let's actually ship oil from our strategic reserves to China and now we've got the strategic reserves down less than half of what it was. And I believe the Biden administration said that they were going to start refilling the, the strategic reserve when oil was around $70 a barrel. Well, we were there a few months ago. I don't remember any oil getting bought to refill well, have, the strategic reserves. Okay. Do y'all? All right. All right. I have no idea how much Moron. oil they bought. I have no, no idea how much oil they bought. Now, what I'm getting ready to say, ladies and gentlemen, is not a defense of – Washington's energy policy. Okay, appreciate I just want, that. I just want, I just want everybody because because what I'm what I'm going to this opinion exclamation point. This you are wearing a blue I'm, shirt, Jeff. <laughs> Let the man this, finish. This opinion that I'm throwing out is is not about defending the old policy in Washington. What I what I, in talking with with some people that are actually in the know in the oil business. You know, it, it wasn't that many years ago that oil you know, sold for for zero for a few minutes mm-hmm. uh, on true. the spot market, right? That's uh, true. It, it wasn't too many years ago when oil prices collapsed to like you know thirty dollars a barrel or something like that, and a lot of companies went out of business. A lot of companies got gobbled up by their competitors. Uh, a lot of money was invested. A lot of money was lost. Those companies that survived. Uh, really, in my opinion, have spent the last few years 
trying to give back to their investors, you know, the money that they didn't make when we had this big collapse in oil and, and try to repair their balance sheets, or, you know, uh, pay off debt, <clears throat> pay dividends to shareholders. I don't know. I, I can't quantify. None of us can quantify, though I've been told that it's not necessarily uh, 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 the energy policy in Washington that's affect that, that that has anything to do with what's happening right now with oil prices. Obviously, what's happening with oil prices right now has to do with what's hap- what Saudi Arabia and Russia are doing yep. with curtailing supply. But here in the U.S., I think there's still plenty of wells that were drilled in 2015 and 2016 that were capped. How many of those have been brought back into production? And why haven't they been brought back into production? Well, maybe one of the reasons why they haven't been brought back into production is because of how much it costs to get it out of the ground because everything is just so much more expensive and the oil is just going to stay there until the costs come down commensurate with what the you know, the price is right now. Because the price is right now, ladies and gentlemen, wait, I mean, we could be three or four months from now, we could be back to $70 a barrel oil for all we know. And just because Russia and Saudi Arabia have decided right now that they're going to have this 1 million barrel a day, you know, cur- curtailment in supply to the end of the year doesn't mean they can meet in, in three weeks and decide to do the exact opposite. So these these leases that were canceled in Anwar, I don't even know if these leases had any active drilling on them. They did. They the, just had the lease. They hadn't even started. They, they didn't even so start. Why, yeah. Right. So why hadn't they started? Well, maybe the reason they Regulations. hadn't started because, well, I have no idea if that was that, if that was if that was the only reason. There's a couple I don't know. of reasons. There, there's and environmentalists is probably one. one of them. There's probably more than just one. But again, sure. I'm not I'm not defending. I, the I, I understand policy. your point. I'm just I understand saying your that point. There's more more than just energy policy and regulations that necessarily keeps oil companies from drilling. Right now, I think, again, it's a financial decision, in my opinion. And and, and maybe they don't believe that oil prices will be, if we do get to $100, Will we get? You know, how long will that last? Will it last a month? Will it last two months? Can you can't get people and equipment out there fast enough to take advantage of it before the price has gone back the other way, right? So let me getting back to this stuff about pulling out food and fuel from C, from the CPI number to try to smooth it out. You know, we we got the core and then we've got the headline number, right? Mm-hmm. Well, at the end of the day, higher energy prices. You know, oil makes jet fuel, makes gasoline, makes diesel. And so industries that are dependent, that have that have fuel as a very important input cost to the operation of their business are going to be affected and they're going to be forced to raise prices. So delivery companies, uh, whether it be UPS or Old Dominion, which we own in our in our portfolios, or the airlines, or any other organization, you know, that needs to get goods, you know, delivered to them, and they're going to start getting these surcharges again if they're not already for fuel costs. And what ends up happening? That gets passed on to the customer in higher prices. And so, even though they we're going to strip out the food and f- the food and fuel numbers out of the CPI numbers, they're not going to strip out. Uh, how those 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 uh, increases in prices affect all these other goods that aren't going to get stripped out. Now, Kyle did have a good point before the break about, well, if they just raise prices too much, people just won't buy it. Yeah, okay. 
I, I can agree with that. And, and that, that will have an effect of slowing of the economy. And then and we'll get bringing inflation down. Well, so we may get a one-month blip up. If Do we get a two-month blip up? How many months blip up causes the Federal Reserve to say, well, well hey, well, maybe we need to get on back on the rate-raising uh, uh, program again. And that will have detrimental effects on stock prices, especially those stocks that have that have you know benefited the most, in my opinion, from uh, which would be the the AI stocks, all the the, the magnificent seven. I think the magnificent seven, uh, at least for the for the for the near future, in my opinion, have probably seen their highs, and I think there's there's some. There, there's some there's some folks that have made a lot of money in them that have been pairing that have been pairing their game that have been that have been overweight these uh, particular stocks that are that are taking some money off the table. The question is: Is that money going into other stocks, or is that money going into cash? Because we're still getting five and a quarter percent, and you know, and higher yielding money market funds, and that's a very attractive rate. Uh, in in this environment, and we hadn't had it in fifteen years in cash. Well, so, I, would, I, I was just I was just going to add, you know, if the if the Fed is looking at kind of what's been deteriorating on the consumption side from the consumer, from from the, the households all across this country, if they start seeing if they really focusing on that data, then that would tell them that they just need to pause, even if we do see a blip. Right. And the CPI for this month and possibly into October, mm-hmm. that they need to be paying more attention to what's going on with the actual consumer themselves. Right. So the, the especially handic- go, ahead. go ahead. No, I said the handicapping now is not about what the terminal rate is. The handicapping now is how long do we stay at the terminal rate? And so a year from now there's probably going to be a lot of hand wringing about. Well, the Fed went too high in 2023. They should not have done those last couple of rate increases. Or the Fed has just kept rates too high for too. You know, that'll be that'll be what's what we're talking about. The next cover stories. You know, that'll be that'll be talked about in you know late summer, early fall next year, right before the election. And so- if we have a recession. Yeah. As you just called, I don't think that's going to be great for the Democrats to have a recession right before, no, right before the not. election. Yeah. Oh, should the Republicans be rooting for a a uh, recession at this point? Yeah, Joe. I mean, Bidenomics is so strong. It's Bidenomics <laughs> is so good, you guys. Yeah. Bidenomics equals inflation. I mean, listen to Jeff. It's essentially, looking we're looking at having a little bit stickier inflation than we thought. Obviously, and that's going to call next year if we if inflation maintains where it currently is. I mean, it's going down little by little. That's not going to be good in election year, without a doubt. And no, if we do it's a, not. And so, if we have sticky inflation, all right, and maybe it comes down a little bit, but then we have a recession next year. It's an election year. There's two bad. There's two things that could be negative. I don't want to get into politics. Not on the show today. But oh, that's what on, we're going to go into next year, and all the answers, the questions we're going to get. Are, and we're going to have to replay multiple shows that we have about what what the stock market looks like in an election year. Well, here, here's Coming the bottom a, line. 
here's the bottom line for all voters, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, it really should come down when you go into the ballot box, vote your pocketbook. Are you in a better position today than you were four years ago? And I would, speaking for everyone, the answer is most likely no. Well, so we'll know what to do and, 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 what, and, what, and what to pull as far as who to vote for. With that, let's take another commercial break. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the MoneyWise podcast through Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming podcast apps where you can leave your comments. And don't forget to like the show. So in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program, I have a little bit different MoneyWise program this weekend because our second hour is only going to be a half hour. To uh, to we are getting preempted by the Fighting Texas Aggies pregame. So the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program is only going to be a half hour long. But in our last segment of the first hour of this weekend show, I kind of wanted to wrap everything up. I mean, everything we're talking about from the Fed to inflation to oil prices. You know, obviously the seasonality effect of September being the most negative month of the year for the S&P, the fact that we've got CPI, PPI coming up next week. Uh, and what, what does that mean to you and your portfolio? And really what it means is stay active, know what you own, keep a sharp eye on your portfolio, making sure you're not getting too over-allocated in, in your positions, particularly on the stock side, and make sure you have a proper balance. This is why active management is so critical uh, and why we have just continuously been harping on that fact for the last, you know, what, 18 years we've been doing the MoneyWise program. Because the markets can change moods and, and the drop of a hat, and you have to stay on top of it. And if that's something that this doesn't appeal to you and it's something that you don't want to do, this is when you have to find a competent asset manager who is a fiduciary, acts in your best interest, not their own, that does not follow a passive strategy and actively manages your assets. Because I know what, two weeks ago we talked about, you know, just the legacy distribution system following the passive strategy, set and forget it, your allocations based on a computer algorithm, and they buy the positions and just let it ride. Well, we wholeheartedly disagree with that philosophy. And so all the data points and all the information we've been talking on this weekend show, these are all things that culminate when it comes to us making investment decisions in our clients' portfolios. And you have to have the seasoned experience of being in the trenches, making decisions and living by those decisions. That's what a money manager and having a money management team is all about. So with that being said, in terms of the changes that we've made in the portfolios in the last few weeks – there hasn't been uh, any any changes. Uh, I think the last thing we did was we bought a government bond a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, there was some talk about maybe buying another one here when we got up over five percent again on the two-year yield. We haven't we haven't done that uh, as of yet. You know, I'll I'll give you my my personal feelings is that 
you know, I'm getting, I'm getting more uncomfortable with the Magnificent Seven leading us. Um, I, I think here the, the, the Magnificent Seven, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that they have re, that they have reached their highs for the year. And, and, and now we're on the backside of them. Uh, I don't know if what's going on with Apple and this Chinese situation, if if there's something more to it that's coming down the road, if this is maybe some way that the Chinese are retaliating against the U.S. for uh, curtailing uh, technology going to China. So they're going to attack or, or you know, attack one of the best performing companies in the U.S. this year, which is Apple, and and uh, and go after you know, some of uh, Apple's you know, most popular products being sold on on their shores because there's no reason why they couldn't stop tomorrow. Any more sales of Apple uh, Apple phones or other Apple products if they wanted to, and if they wanted to shut down their factories, they could do it. It's China. Am I saying they're going to do that, ladies and gentlemen? No. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but to say that they couldn't do it, well, yes, they could. And I don't think they'd care how it would hurt their people, really, because I don't think it'd be about hurting their, I don't think it'd be about hurting the people, about hurting the United States or hurting one of the, you know, the biggest, uh, you know, one of the, I think they're probably in the top five uh, most highly valued companies on the planet. Uh, from a market cap standpoint, from a market, absolutely. From a market capitalization standpoint. So that I'm, I, I, I'm just, you know, Purely speculating that something might more might be coming, and I'm not saying it is or isn't, but the 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 narrative about you know AI going to be the savior is just going to be this this huge thing bigger than the internet. I never really bought into that, and I'm still not a big be, you know, believer that AI is going to be bigger than the internet. So, so for, you know, to me, for now, these those stocks seem to be challenged, and if they're challenged. Then uh, what we sh- what I'd like to see is I'd like to see the the equally weighted S and P 500 performance and the the differential between the the equally weighted and the market cap weighted start to narrow because that would be an indication to me that money is coming out of the magnificent seven and going into the rest of the marketplace and that that should maybe should be something that we're you know we're looking at. If we're not seeing that spread narrow, then that would be saying to me that money is coming out of the Magnificent Seven and going into cash, and, and not being redeployed into into other in, into other stocks. And that's the one thing we you know, we've been looking for here is this broadening out of of market performance, where it's broadening out into other aspects, uh, other industry groups, other stocks, not just concentrated in those in those small number of stocks. Well, and, and again, and this is the reason why we've been bringing up the equally weighted S&P 500 index and, and kind of reporting its performance on this show because we feel that's more a true representation of what the S&P 500 is doing this year because those Magnificent Seven has just added so much performance to the market cap weighted S&P 500. It's very skewed. And so for us, you know, we're continuing to be cautious. You know, in our modern allocations, we have right around a 52% allocation to stock in our modern asset allocation models. 
across the board. So, you know, we have dry powder. We have the ability to strike if we see opportunities. But because of the culmination of all this data and all the data dependency that we have currently, you know, we're just moving very methodically as we've done all year and have talked about it because the S&P 500 equally weighted through Thursday is up 5.56%. And so, you know, is that in line with about an average year for the S&P 500 at this point in time? Yeah, maybe a little bit above average, maybe a little bit above average. No, I would say uh, from a total. I'm saying say if. Below average, if we're ten percent average, well, it's yeah. it's it's it, you know September. So if we have a few more percentage to go, but the mm-hmm. bottom line is is that you have to stay vigilant in your portfolio because September is historically a negative month for the market and can be very very volatile. And we know that the algorithms are very much tied to the yields in the ten-year Treasury. So definitely keep a sharp eye on that. Well, with that, we're coming up to the top of our break. We're going to take the break, go into the news, and we come back. We'll be diving in to the second part of this weekend's Money Wise program. That's only going to be a half hour long as we are preempted for the Fighting Texas Aggies pregame. So with that, you're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Money Wise guys will be back after the news. All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on MoneyWise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my brother Jeff. I'm your host, Kyle Davidson. We are diving into the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the MoneyWise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. If you missed the first hour of MoneyWise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past MoneyWise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at DavidsonCap.com. Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. And just a little housekeeping. Uh, this weekend's Money Wise program is going to be a half hour shorter, and the Fighting Texas Aggies pregame will be starting at 1.30 this afternoon. So in this last half hour of this weekend's Money Wise program, and as we like to, to use the second hour of our program to go into investor education, I wanted to talk about a topic that we've talked about before in the past, Jeff. I know it's something we haven't... Uh, we haven't gone into in some time. And the reason why I want to discuss this is because of a new, a new client, new couple that, that have come to us. And it just, again, gave me motivation to have this conversation again. And it really pertains to their particular experience, in particular, the, the husband of the couple and his experience. He works for a major corporation here in the Corpus Christi area. I'm not going to, to, to release the name of the corporation, but it's a very large employer here and wanted to just talk about and really to educate all of our listeners that are 
maybe a year away from retiring, maybe six months away from retiring, folks that are have been saving in their 401k, maybe even have a traditional pension to go along with their 401k. But I wanted to really discuss their his experience in particular and use that as kind of an educational jump-off point for our other listeners that might find themselves in this similar situation. Um, so just want to give a little background on this on this brand new client and kind of his experience. He was a participant in a 401k and, and is a participant in a 401k for this major corporation. And this major corporation's 401k is managed by a very large name brand brokerage firm. Um, just like most of our listeners would be able to identify and recognize these major brokerage firms from the Edward Joneses to the Morgan Stanleys to the Merrill Lynch's of the world. This is who was overseeing the 401k. And he had talked to me about in years past where periodically throughout the year there would be retirement planning seminars. And what these, and really what these seminars were about and what I've really learned, it was really more of, yes, it's a retirement planning seminar, but, but more or less it's, it's a, a business, sales pitch. It's a business retention tool. That's really what it is. It's a it's a relationship building uh, procedure, if you will, and we have we have dealt with this particular employer and retirees from this particular employer for many 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 years. And this large name brand Wall Street firm has been involved in the four hundred one k at this particular employer the entire time. And we hear these stories. In this particular story is is not is somewhat uh, what we've heard before and and some parts of it are very new and another another reason why we're bringing this up at this time of the year is that the end of any calendar year is typically a time when there's a lot of folks that choose to retire and it's in these last few months of the year that these organizations that need to try to keep the 401k business with their organization have these seminars as a way of, of of retaining the assets should these employees retire and decide to, to roll out their 401k into another retirement account. It's to the uh, organization's advantage from a profitability standpoint to want to hang on to these assets, and we totally understand that. We get it. We we, we we get we get it, but but you know what's also unique about this particular four hundred one k is it offers a self directed brokerage option, which you typically only see the self directed brokerage options in large employer corporate four hundred one ks four hundred one ks that have billions upon billions of dollars. And what a self directed brokerage brokerage account is is it allows plan participants to go and work with an outside asset management firm. Here at Davidson Capital, we work with a very large employer here in town, and we are a self-directed brokerage option. Uh, even though we're not brokers, we're registered investment advisors, but the employees are able to go and continue to invest in their 401K, and then the assets flow through the custodian of those assets to Davidson Capital Management for us to actively manage those assets as they're working and building their retirement nest egg. And that was the same situation with this new client. But what he was telling me when he went into these seminars in the past is that he got the impression from the, the organization, from the group that was coming in there to give the presentation, is that if you're getting ready to retire, this is your only option. Your only option is to retire and roll these assets out with us 
to maintain here at this brokerage firm, and we're going to quote unquote manage these assets for you. And and he said that him and his colleagues just they're constantly talking about their retirement and their retirement nesting. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? And a lot of his colleagues got that same feeling that this, this is, is the not, only direction. This is this is not new from this organization. We have heard this from from other folks in the past that. The, the the sales pitch is is very well honed. It's one sided. It's a one sided pitch. And and we're here to tell you, and we're coming up on the break here in a, in a short period of time, that when someone tries to frame to you as the employ as the holder of that four hundred one k, the owner of that four hundred one k, that they are the only choice. You better bet. You bet that they are not the only choice. And you need to to do everything that you can to investigate what the other choices are out there for you, because anyone that tries to tell you that they're they're, they're the only choice, they're not telling you the truth. And the truth is, they want to maintain your assets. We understand that, but what we don't like is when they frame it in such a way that it it is that they they will not disclose to you that you do actually have other choices that don't include them. Well, and I think something else that was so frustrating for for our new client, Jeff, is how many hoops they had to jump through to go through the process in order to get these assets moved over under our management and how frustrated our clients were of all the hoops they had to jump through. And again, we have experience of of having business come in from this organization, and we know the amount of hoops, but it was getting to the point where where he was so frustrated. He's like, wow, I don't know why anyone would ever move because they make it so onerous. And again, that is the trick. That's That's, exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want. They want to make it to have so many hoops and so many hurdles to jump over that you just say, you know what, I'm going to leave it where it is. Well, we're coming up on break. I want to continue on this topic, continue on this education, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing on investor education and talking about, again, this new client that just came into us this past week from a major organization, major 401k, and the brokerage firm that he had at one point in time, and, he, and it, what, what was so amazing is that he didn't even realize that he had selected this self-directed brokerage option from seminars in the past with this organization. Now, what this brokerage firm has that's overseeing the 401k is that they have pockets of brokers in all the major cities that this company has a major employee presence that come out and do periodic retirement, quote, you know, retirement seminars. And so he'd been to a retirement seminar in the past and somehow had signed something or had agreed to something to start this self-directed brokerage option with this organization, not knowing really anything about them other than the presentation pitch that they gave in front of the group of the employees, but also feeling like that this was the only direction he could go with his retirement assets 
as he went through the seminar. And as you mentioned, uh, Jeff, in the last segment, is that if you're working towards your retirement, you're a year out, six months out, eight months out, you have the total options of who you want to oversee your money, whether it's you yourself by rolling it out into a self-directed IRA that you're managing yourself, maybe through a discount broker, or if you want to go work with a different brokerage firm or a firm that is not involved in the 401k, going and hiring a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management to take discretionary control of those assets and manage it for you. We're just really here to, to, to provide that education to let you know that you have the ultimate control and the ultimate choices. Do not get sucked in in these retirement seminars and thinking that this is the only option you have because that is what they're going to make you feel like because as Jeff said earlier they want to retain those assets they don't want the assets leaving the major brokerage firm that's overseeing the 401k and of course the local representative that's coming out to do the presentation wants to continue to build their book of business so as I learned about the group that came out to give this presentation, I did a little bit of research. And as we've educated here on the Money Wise program, that all you simply have to do is go to Google. You do what's called a broker check, and it's going to take you to the FINRA website. Because everyone in the financial service industry has a permanent record. And that permanent record is going to show you if someone has any past misdemeanors or felony charges, if they filed bankruptcy, if they've had customer disputes and complaints. And so I wanted to take a look at the at this group that came out to give this presentation just to see what their record looked like. And lo and behold, what did I find? I found three customer complaints where fr there was accusations of fraud, account churning, misrepresentations, improper asset allocations, and the organization that employed this group of, of brokers had paid restitution to the tune of $575,000 over the course of their career. Not exactly a group of people that I would want to entrust my retirement assets and my retirement nest egg with, particularly when there is accusations of, of churning and of potential fraud and misappropriations. What is really disappointing in this particular case is that this the, this employer, this this huge employer has not does not appear to have taken the time to vet it out the people that are coming out on their premises. If I correct me if I'm if I'm wrong Kyle, but these presentations are being done on the present on the premises of the employer itself, not at the brokerage house's premises. So these folks are coming on site, on property, giving these presentations to their employees, this captive audience. That's correct. And they're not vetting out these people to see what kind of records, what kind of credentials that they have. Because this is a particularly poor FINRA report that we've seen, especially from someone that is actually still employed at this organization. Mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's what I, I was mean, surprised. A half million dollars is a lot of, that's a lot of money to be paid at, paying out in fines and restitution. Uh, pardon me. In restitution. I, I, was it restitution? It was or resti fines? No, okay. it was restitution. Pardon me. It wasn't fines. It was restitution. So there, there was clearly uh I wouldn't think that a, that an that an organization, a brokerage firm, would willingly pay out hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars 
to a customer if there wasn't merit to their claim to begin with. And, and then when I started digging a little bit deeper and just getting a background of our new client and really their conservative nature, the fact that they you know, are, are very nervous about the market and wanting to have their assets protected, I do a portfolio review and analysis as I do for any prospective client. And what do I find? I find that almost 96% of their total investable net worth of this couple, because the wife is a client also, who also had assets with this group as well, they were sitting 96% in equities. And then I dig a little bit deeper, and what do I find? They are trading this account day in and day out, day in and day out, constantly. And I dig a little bit further, and I find out that this group is charging over 3% to do what they're doing. So understand that that if I'm going out to give this seminar, these assets are already at my brokerage house. Mm -hmm. The brokerage house is already receiving fees and expenses from the 401k participants uh, for, for their participation in this plan. But I could go out to this captive audience and sell them on the opportunity to take a portion of their assets into a self-directed account where I can then turn around and raise their fees up tremendously. I mean, do you really think they're paying 3% in their 401Ks right now? Absolutely not. Uh, No way. There's no way. They're paying that kind of money in their 401Ks. So I can take this captive audience, take them out of their, their original 401K options, put them into a self-directed brokerage account that's being managed at this brokerage firm. And I use management in quotations. Really, it appears that they're doing way too much trading, inappropriate asset allocation. Performance is horrible. And the performance was horrible, which is one thing. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> want to say that. that the, we, we saw long, longer-term performance numbers that were really poor. And we can hit them with over 3% in fees. I mean, that's like rubbing salt. I mean, it's it's rubbing more salt on a wound and then pouring vinegar and then alcohol on that wound when you put all of these together. And, you know, again, we're talking about this to provide that education. You know, if you're participating in a 401k and you're past the age of 59 and a half and you still want to continue to work for many years in the future, you have the option and you have the ability to take what's called an in-service distribution. And we've worked with a lot of clients over the past 25-plus years of business that we've been in that have taken and done these in-service distributions that allows you to roll the balance of your 401K. Because if you've been working at an organization 30, 35 years, and you're sitting on half a million, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars that you've saved up in your nest egg, and you're the one that's overseeing it, and it's making you nervous, you have the ability to take that in-service distribution past the age of 59 and a half, roll those assets out. It's not a taxable event. Put them into a self-directed IRA where you can go and work with a traditional broker, someone on the sales side if you want to, or a registered investment advisor like a Davidson Capital Management who can take that discretionary control and manage those assets for you on your behalf while you're still continuing to work and still continuing to contribute and participate in the 401k because your participation doesn't stop. It just takes your balance from what it was, let's say 500000 down to zero and you're starting new. And we've had clients, Jeff, in the past, and I know you know this, that would 
contribute to the 401k for a year, get the matching contributions, get the profit sharing dollars, then make one phone call to us, say, hey, I'm rolling my balance for the year into what you're already managing for me. And they did that like clockwork year over year over year. So just know that if you're participating in a 401k, you're past 59 and a half, you can go and do what's called a in-service distribution. It's built into a prototype 401k plans. It's part of the IRS law for the 401k. So you have that ability. But keep in mind, when you go to these retirement plan seminars and they bring representatives of the company that's overseeing the 401k, they are not going to talk about this. They have a vested interest in maintaining your assets at their organization. And they're they're not going to, like you said, they're, they're not going to come out and volunteer this to you. And if you choose not to go with them, understand that, that some of them may make it very difficult for you to pull the money out. But you know what? It's your money, and you should decide exactly where it wants to go. And, and if you don't like the way they're treating you on the way out the door, tell your employer to get That's rid right. of these folks and find someone else that is not going to play this game with their their employees. Because this particular group right now that's at this major employer if the company knew the truth about what these folks, their backgrounds on, and what they've been doing, I don't think they would be out there giving these seminars today. So if you'd like to learn more about in-service distributions or if there's anything that we could do here at Davidson Capital Management to help educate you and, and, and again, discuss your options pending retirement, you can definitely give us a call in our office at 906 906- Zero zero seven zero again nine zero six zero zero seven zero, and with that we'd like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. For my brother Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying a fantastic weekend into your financial health. We will talk to you next week.